Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 370, I think. I'm joined this week by Tahar Rahim. I, I was crazy excited to make this one happen because as you'll hear from the podcast, I'm a big old fan of this guy from Unprofit to Last Panthers to all the stuff that we talk about. I mean, we talk about three of his his recent projects, I think. So we really get into it. But since we recorded this, he's only gone and got Golden Globe nominated and all sorts. It was a long list. I think it's nomination. I'm not sure what's what's been announced. But yeah, his latest film, The Mauritanian, has been getting huge award nominations and award tips. And that's fantastic. It's available on the Glasgow Film Festival platform from February 25th until February 28th. So you can go and ch- check there and be part of the kind of the premiere as such. It's, it's, it's going to be on Amazon Prime for, for, from April 1st. So there's that to look forward to as well. But I mean, it's getting so much award hype and award talk. You might want to jump on that Glasgow Film Festival preview option. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. It was exactly as lovely as I'd expected. Me and Stacey Martin had spoken about him briefly earlier in the year. And again, you're always nervous, particularly in this industry, man. You you never know who's going to be the good guys and who's going to be the bad guys. But everything I'd heard about Tahir implied he was going to be one of the good guys. And this conversation just proved that, man. You, You can't see it, but he was moving about in his seat, legs crossed, legs uncrossed, jumping about, sitting on his feet with such excitement as he was discussing these these topics that mean so much to him. A lot of you comment all the time, some positive, some negative, about my overwhelming excitement on the subject of film and TV and this and this world I'm now in. And it was gr- great to have someone that could comfortably match that joy and excitement um, and not be beaten down by it all or tired of it all. That excitement was still there. Obviously, we're doing these over Zoom. I should mention this every week. We're doing these over Zoom, which means there's sometimes some kind of overlap in the conversations. It's It can be awkward because there will be cutouts. But it, again, obviously, I've got the best producer in the podcast game, Buddy Peace. Um, so he makes them all sound absolutely amazing. But if there ever is any kind of talking over each other or seeming like it comes to mind on this because there was I know there was a point where either he couldn't hear me or I couldn't hear him and then we just kind of continued on because it was early on (laughs) it's like we don't want to make a big deal of this but yeah I love this conversation obviously you could always support the podcast over at patreon.com slash scroobius pip or buy merch over at speech development records.com quiet time for merch at the moment to be completely honest but I launched some amazing new sweaters recently with our we may not be for you and that's fine slogan on them that is the slogan of my record label speech development records so yeah if you if you're feeling a bit chilly and fancy an awesome looking sweater at the same time as supporting a podcast that you hopefully enjoy then uh, that could be the way to go speechdevelopmentrecords.com but for now this is episode 370 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Tahar Rahim It's on as is mine <laughs> right, how's it going, man? I'm here today with Tahir Ra- Tahar Rahim. How are you? I'm fine, and you? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. How's your kind of year or so been? Obviously, it's been a weird one. Have you been somewhere comfortable? Are you you feeling okay with everything? Yeah, you know, it's uh, for for everybody. It's it's kind of boring. You know, you want to go out and drink some uh, a couple of drinks and and visit your family, hug people. But what can you do? That's life. It's our uh, it's our life at the moment. But uh, I got lucky because I, I shot for a long time abroad. Yeah. And when we had to shut down the Serpent production in in March, I, I hadn't seen my family for a couple of months. Right. So when I went back home, to me it was like a heaven holiday and, and, and I reclaimed lost time. So I lived it 
in a pretty good way. I love that. And it's it's the beauty of of the film and TV industry. I'm I'm shooting in, in Canada at the moment and mm. they've got the money to do this stuff safely. Mm. If, if if you know what I mean, that they can do all the tests and have all the masks and equipment so that I talked about it on another podcast. I think it's really good because the production that we're on we've been filming scenes in restaurants that have had to close because of the pandemic. So mm. they're making some money now. They're getting oh. some money injected into for, for, from an industry that has the budget to work safely in these times, as long as all the tests are being done and everyone's being, you know, careful and whatnot. So, yeah, I love that that's an option. So what, one of the things I've got to th- thank you, really, because during this weird time, a lot of your work has been has been keeping me entertained and busy, so I'm appreciative of that, and I think it's an important thing. I want to talk about a few different things. I want to go all the way back to your kind of youth as well, but let's start off with the latest thing, um, the Mauritanian. Um, I loved it. It's amazing. It's a true story of, of someone who was held at Guantanamo, and as, as a lot of things were at that time, held under debatable um r- rulings and, and 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 laws and reasons how was that to to play that character you've done a few kind of real people how was th- this as a person to take on and and become uh it was a a unique experience yeah as as an actor and as a man but when you play a real life character uh you have a responsibility you see Especially when they're alive. Yeah. And uh, uh, with Mohamedou, I all I wanted at first was to I wanted to please him when when he when he'd see the movie. Yeah. To me, he was my first audience. Uh, my first audience member was him. I was like, I want him to be happy. I don't want to diminish his story. I don't want to diminish him. I want him to feel respected and and that uh, uh, that that the movie. And my performance would be faithful to to him. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, I was happy when I uh, when he saw the movie and I called him. Uh, you know, I was like, "What is he thinking?" And he said, "I loved it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really, this is something you did something great, better than me." <laughs> I'm like, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was uh, it was this one was unique because uh, you know when you get to meet him, you meet an extraordinary person. Yeah, a, a unique spirit. Someone who's been through the most horrible conditions and came out, yeah, uh, full of wisdom. Yeah, full of forgiveness. And I'm like, how's how's that possible? You see? Yeah. So that this is one of the most important thing I needed to understand. Without this, I don't think I would have I would have been able to to find his humanity. Even in the in the darkest places, of course, you see. Because in life, I was talking with him. What I did, we first met uh, virtually. I was shooting the serpent in um, in Thailand, and uh, we we knew that we were shooting the movie in January, and it was uh, might have been in November. So uh, uh, I needed to talk with him so I can start to build my character. And I I called him, and and I was you know I got stroked by his light, his. Uh, he was so joyful, cracking jo- jokes, very connected to you, and, and uh, generous, wise, funny. And I was like, whoa. You know, if it wasn't a true story, uh, it would have been very hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. And at some point, so I asked him some questions. You know, of course, I did my, uh, you know, my, my actor thing. And uh, I, I asked him about his relationships with his lawyers, with... Uh, his guards about his life before, during, uh, uh, during his imprisonment, afterwards, and of course I had to talk about the the touchy things. And when I asked him yeah. the first question, suddenly he changed. Physically, the mood was different. Uh, he it was hard for him to be uh, to be articulate. His eyes would go all over the places, and and I felt bad. I felt bad, yeah, and I truly felt stupid. I was like, "He's been through this. Uh, I can see his trauma. 
Am I going to torture him again? Am I going to yeah. bring him yeah. back there? I said, shut, shut your mouth up and ask other questions. And even, even more, just don't talk. So I stopped yeah. asking questions about this. Uh, and uh, I think it was the best thing I, I, I did because by just talking with him, befriend with him, I, I, I had the opportunity to see him so I could observe him, take things out of him. Listening to him, see his smile, the way he would talk, the way he would answer questions, uh, and and finally catch his spirit. You see, yeah. And, and plus, personally, I I said to myself, "Look, uh, you are meeting with someone exceptional. Doesn't happen quite often in life. Take advantage of it." And I did, and it helped me a lot. And I think it was the best way to 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 build my character. I, I love that, and I think it sounds like that slight glimpse you got before moving on and realising to move on will have been enough, because one of the things I wanted to ask was, because I've seen interviews with Mohamedou, and there's, there's clips at the end, and he is, as you say, he's so happy and so positive and so driven, but he can't have been all of the, all of the time. Mm. It's amazing that he is now, but the period that you're playing him in, there's a lot of that where he can't have been. So that I was going to ask like, how you found that and how you got to that. Did you kind of draw from that one moment where you saw him change and you decided to move on? But was that enough to make you go, right, I know, I know where he was in those times. I know how to find him there as well. Uh, it was part of it. That was enough to, to understand how much this uh, period affected him. Yeah. You see, because the special project stopped before I met him. Maybe... I don't know, years ago. I mean, he was still yeah. in jail in, in Guantanamo, which is, uh, uh, you don't want to go there. But the, the, torture, the, the torture stopped for years, and it was still there. Yeah. As if it was there at the same time. So I was like, okay, this is a real trauma. Yeah. Uh, for the rest, the only way I found to be able to convey authentic emotions to to my director and to the audience was to put myself in kind of realistic conditions. Yeah. I mean, I, I needed to get a feel. So I experienced as much as I could the real conditions of, uh, of the man without putting myself in danger. But yeah. thanks to Kevin, I didn't. Because at some point, when you feel that you're touching a sort of truth as an actor, which is exactly what you're seeking all the time when you start to just touch it by the tip of your finger you want to go deeper and i was like yeah. no uh so i put real shackles uh real cuffs i asked them to to waterboard me for real to force feed me to turn the cell as cold as possible and spray me with water so i could feel everything and and at some point it's very strange but uh we actors sometimes we're we're we're, we're crazy <laughs> because sometimes it feels good to suffer. Yeah. Because you touch a sort of truth. And even in life, it's very rare. Because when you, when it, you feel this way, you feel totally alive. And, and I knew I went as far as possible so I wouldn't have any regrets, whatever comes out of my performance, you see. If it, yeah. I don't know. It, I'm really lucky that people... Uh, uh, like it, and that that Mohammed liked it. But if it wasn't the case, I'd be I'd be I mean disappointed, but cool because I tried my best. You know, you, you know, you did what you were happy with and what you needed to do. What I, what I what I needed and what I could do. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I find the the thing that's always on my mind on set for me is that while I'm on set, I want to be doing as little acting as as possible see. so the more you can put yourself in that situation the, mm -hmm. the, the less you're having to act as such so completely understand that if there's if if you can use real sh shackles right i don't have to act as if they're real sh shackles now mm. if you can use real water i don't have to act as if it's real sh i mean mm. all of those things you can go right i'm removing the amount of acting that has to be done and just all that's left is as much tr truth as possible on on display yeah and and in the specific case truly i think it to me, it was impossible to do otherwise. 
You see, if you ask me to play someone who's lost his mom or, or who's crying because, uh, I don't know, uh, because he's sad or whatever, I can do it. I felt that before. I know what it is to be sad and blah, blah, blah. But how could I possibly know what it is to be tortured and to resist, to not get broken? You see? Yeah. This is yeah. amazing. They didn't break him. They, they finally broke him by involving his mom. Yeah. When they said to him, she's going to come here and you have, uh, you, 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 you just can't believe in what they're saying after what you've been through. Of course, you say, I'm going to tell you whatever you want to hear. And you know, afterwards, they told him when, in a way, I know he said it, what was very hard for me, uh, interesting, was to build up a fake story. He said it was very hard for me to, to build up a fake story because you have to be uh, 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 believable enough so that can be so that can turn into a, a a proof in a way. Yeah. So it was like I gotta make this up this way, make this up this way. So he did, and then the protocol uh, was made in a way that they had to to put them under the lie de- the, the lie detector. That's the way you call it in English. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. They did it twice, and the lie detector was saying he's lying. He's lying. <laughs> you see, while he was telling them the made-up story. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing, right? How was it working with J- Jodie Foster? I thought the relationship between the two characters on screen was beautiful, but she's such an icon as well, uh, and as it's it's great. In recent years, I loved her in um in Hotel Artemis as well, and mm. and in this, it's great seeing her back. Doing what she does so amazingly. So, yeah, how was that? That was great. That was an honor. Uh, I got to confess that the first time I met her, I felt a bit intimidated. I was like, (laughs) this is Jodie Foster. She's not just Jodie Foster. She's also one of the greatest actors. Yeah. So I was like, okay, am I going to be able to fit, to fit in, to to give her what she's going to give me? And uh, Kevin uh, wanted us to, to rehearse. Uh, I'm in rehearse. Yeah. Uh, to read through some scenes. And we did. And I felt that I had a, I had a real partner and, a, and someone who, who could uh, spread a safety net if I would fall. And, uh, yeah, I love that. You see? And the way she would behave, she's so natural, such a nice person, that I, I felt relaxed. And when it came to 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 the 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 actual scenes, I mean, it was like uh, it was just real, you know, magical. You just do what you have to do, and you got someone in front of you that are that is able to catch everything you you give, and she gives you more, so she raises the game. Yeah. And what you have to do is to follow and to give your best. Yeah. It's like uh, I, I said it many times, but. Uh, I think it's the, a very good metaphor in this case. It's like dancing, you see. Yeah. You got a script, which is a, a choreography. You come on set, you, you do it. And at some point you feel like you want to improvise and pace right behind, left, or do something. You do it. She follows, and then she dances. She improvises, and then you follow. Yeah. And at some point you lose time, you lose space, you're in a... You're kind of uh, lost in translation in a good way. And suddenly you hear, cut. And you're like, okay, I'm back. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. And and you do your, you want to be an actor just for this moment. Yeah. I I love that. I mean, speaking of dancing then and and the the comparisons between acting and and, and music, can we talk a little bit about the eddie i i I really enjoyed it um it's it's written by jack thorne who i'm a big Mm, fan of his writing anyway and damien chazelle who did la la land was was directing and running a lot of it um there's something so jaw-dropping and unfilm and tv like when just performance musical performance is allowed to play out Un, uncut, unedited. And there's a moment in the first episode where Elliot plays piano and your character starts playing along, but then your wife arrives and you dance. And it felt so beautiful and so r- real. There was a film, I loved the film Victoria, 
and and it's it's this amazing one shot film. And there's a moment in that where oh yeah, I saw one, it. One, a German movie. Yeah, it's wow. amazing, right? It's, it that was blew my it, mind. It, it's not even a movie; it's an experience. Completely. And there's a moment in that where she plays piano, and mm. I'm, I'm so caught up in the idea of this is one shot, and I'm a film fan, and I'm getting a nerd. That that made me forget I was watching a film completely. And this, I had a similar feeling in this scene in the Eddie because it just kind of came out of nowhere. And there's there's music all the time, but this moment came out that was so real and so isolated. How was that to be part of that? crossing over, I guess, of, of art forms. Look, uh, Damien Chazelle, the way he directs is uh, influenced by the music rhythm. Yeah. Tam, ta-dam, boom, tam, ta-dam, boom. And, and, I, and I, could, I could tell because uh, when we, we shot a couple of scenes, to, you know, and, and I was talking with Elliot, and he came to me like, uh, uh, okay, I want you to say it uh, quicker. I said, okay. Then he came back, no, slower. No, no. Till he found the right rhythm. And there was, we got it. And it was the same for the scene. Yeah. He likes you to improvise. Yeah. And he goes like, yeah, between the moment you get in the room and you go to your uh, desk, it's too empty. You, you got to do something, improvise something. And I'm like, okay, what? Uh, just improvise. And I'm like, yeah, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, so he gives you that freedom. And in, in a way, it's so cool. So you felt like you, you can try whatever you want, and, and, and plus we're, we're shooting a movie, so there's many takes. So you, got, you got the right to make mistakes, you see? Yeah. So uh, there's, uh, you're, you're, you're not scared to be ridiculous. That's the point. So you try different things, and, and when he started to play piano, it was written down. You come, you play some notes, you tell him this, that, that, that. But uh, I felt like uh, if my character loves music as... Uh, Uh, my director loves it. The notes and the rhythm must be his heartbeat. Yeah. So I started to dance and uh, they followed and, uh, you know, it was kind of a, I don't know, floating moment. Very nice. And plus, I, I, I'm used to play dark characters. Yeah. And the Eddie, he gave me, he gave me uh, <laughs> such a cool character. I was like, okay, I'm going I'm to show uh, the audience and that, that another part of me. I'm who I who I am in life. Yeah, you know I like to to dance. I like to sing. I like to have fun. I always pick the brighter side of life, and uh, he gave me that opportunity. I was really happy that uh, that I could show it and, and no that I could use it for a character. Yeah, he's he's such a good character for that because the show is about a, a, a struggling j j jazz bar. I guess I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but the beauty of of your character in that is right from the start. He's the one that's the positivity. He's, mm. he's, he's one of the owners, but also he's running the bar and stuff like that. So the barman is always the one. Like, I think people underrate how, how, how much a barman can influence the vibe of a bar mm. and the atmosphere of a place. And that's his job. He's going round from table to table. And there's even a moment again in the first episode where he ends up like having to stand in and getting up on stage and, and, and singing and being part of it. And again, It's not necessarily his musical skill or anything else that makes the room come alive. It's it's him. It's yeah. it's it's the fact that he's there to be positive and to to bring everything up that makes everyone go, I'm here for this. I love this. Yeah, I loved it too. Yeah, that must have been a lot of fun. How was it? Because it's a great example of the duality of your career because it's a show that is the character is speaking in French and in English and you mm -hmm. kind of switch between throughout. Do you have a preference on the projects that you do if you're speaking in French or in English or, or, or what's your, your feeling on that? Do you feel you can get more into a character if you're having to change more or, or what, what draws you in there? I love to play in English. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not my mother language, so uh, it's a challenge. I had to, first of all, I had to master the language so I can explain myself to my directors and be able to be trusted, uh, which I did, which I did over the years. But playing in English is a whole different gig. Yeah. You know, because in French, you are used to talk a bit flat, you know. The frequency is different. Right. So the, the place where you stress the words are different the way you end up your lines are different it's 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 
you gotta understand the musicality of English. Yeah. But the good thing about English is that as you have to stress some words, some names, some adverbs, some verbs, uh, gives you a rhythm and yeah. your face moves differently. So as your body. And as a, a, a foreign man, you, you don't have to think that much of uh, the whole background of this language. You got to focus on the meanings and play with that. Yeah. And I loved it because you feel like being a virgin, like, you, you, like the first time in front of a camera. And this is the, the best thing. And you live it just one time. Yeah. Usually. And when you play a foreign language, you can live it many times. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of speaking of the first time in front of camera, kind of quite early on, and Profit kind of launched you into, into, into the international eye, eyesight kind of thing. I, I went to see it at the Covent Garden Odeon. I remember in one of the small screens on its cinema release, and it was just, it blew me away. It was such an amazing performance that seemed to come out of nowhere. So what was your kind of route into acting, and then how was it to be in a French film? And again, I'm a big fan of French t TV for French cinema, but a lot of it stays in France. Mm. And, and profit seemed to go everywhere. So how was that journey of getting to into acting and then going, all right, this isn't just for, for us. This is, this is for everyone. <laughs> oh, well, for everyone, as you said, was, uh, was a total surprise to me because it was my yeah. first feature. Uh, I, was, yeah. uh, I was a kid actor. But yeah, the, uh, you know what led me to, to, to acting is boredom. Yeah, when I was a kid, my childhood was like a paradise. But when I turned into a teenager, I started to get bored. I come from uh, the countryside, a small town. There's not a lot to do. Uh, everything. I mean, the city shuts down at 7 p.m. Yeah. So I used to go to movies. And uh, at that time, I dreamt of being an actor thanks to, thanks to the movie theater, that place. Yeah. You know, the material of the seats, the smell, the temperature, the big screen, the sound, the, the, you know, the people that you, you share something with people that you don't even watch. You don't even look at them. Yeah. It's like kind of another dimension. And to me, it was a window to the world, a place where I could escape and learn things, learn how to talk, learn how to, to wear clothes, learn how other people... Uh, behave, learn about history, and really, it was a sh it, it, it was a shock in a very good way. So I wanted to go more, but I couldn't afford it. Five times a week. I mean, uh, I come from uh, a working class. We didn't have that that much money. I didn't lack of anything. You know, my parents did a very good job. No problem. No questions about that. But I found a way to sneak in in the cinema from the back door. And I would go with my friends, which was funny for them. And at some point they, they were not, yeah, they came to me like, okay, come on, we're not gonna go watch movies like every day. Just, we want to do different things. I said, okay, just do your things. <laughs> and, I, and I continued to go there. I kept going and going and going till a certain point where, you know, at that time, you, you must know, we, we had to buy tickets, <clears throat> the, uh, you know? Yeah. And if they would come and ask for the ticket, you would show it. Yeah. And it was not on our phones or, Yeah. And uh, people would throw them. So I would pick them up and keep it in my pocket. And uh, the, di the director of the cinema at some point was like, he notices me. He notices me, looks at me, and I'm like, okay, shit, maybe I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm caught. So I, I picked up a ticket and he came to me like, do you have your ticket? I'm like, yes. But he smells it. He smells it. <laughs> he smells it. It was like, oh, yeah, okay. So then started the, uh, a game of uh, cat and mouse. Cat and mouse came between him and me. He wanted to catch me, but he couldn't. I always had a ticket. And he even, he even pinned a picture on the wall of his office and told his staff, if you see this kid, stop him. I know he's, uh, he's not paying. <laughs> and, and really, you know. I don't, I don't know how he's doing it, but, but I know he's doing it. He's, he's up to something. I can't, yeah, I can't nail it. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, was, I was so small that I could, yeah. nobody would see me, you know? Yeah. And someday, 
I, I mean, I grew up, I went to university, and then I went back to my hometown. And uh, I just uh, catch up with my friends and, and told them, listen, guys, why don't we get a thrill of what we were doing uh, when we were, te we were te teenagers? We go, well, let's sneak in, uh, in the cinema. And they went like, yeah, cool. So we went there, and it was uh, <laughs> Star Wars 1, you know, when they came back with Star Wars in 90, I don't know, 2000 or something like that, with uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Liam Neeson, I don't know. Um, yes. It was Saturday night, 8 o'clock. The place was, I mean, the room was packed, 200 people. And in the middle of the movie, he shut it down, turned on the lights, and came to me. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm not 14 years old anymore. I'm fucking embarrassed. I'm like, no, everybody's going to see me. And uh, he goes, uh, do you have your ticket? And I'm like, uh, no. But what the, the, the real meaning is you won. And he goes, yeah, okay, now you go out. And I'm like, oh, oh come on, please, I'm not going to go out. Now you see a lot of people, I know them, it's a small town, and And he goes, I don't care. If you don't go out, I call the police. And I'm like, okay, listen, I pay you. I pay you right now. It was just, you know, for fun. He goes, you go out. And I went out like this. <laughs> I tried to hide my face. Yeah, he won. And I met him years ago when I became an actor. And he came to me because he moved. He moved to live in Lyon. And I had to present a movie over there. And he came to me like, you remember me? I said, of course I remember you. And, you know, we shook hands <laughs> and we talked about it. It was fun. That's, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I love that. So, so, so how was it then to, as, as you say, have your first feature to be in cinemas and then to have it be a huge success in France, playing all over the country, but then playing all over the world as well? Again, a lot of, particularly in the UK, a lot of, French or Italian or German cinema either doesn't quite get a cinema release or 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 it's it's very limited. But your first film mm. was 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 in places that people were probably sneaking in and not paying to go and see it. How was that to to have that that moment? It was amazing. Really, yeah. it was my first feature. I was discovering everything. I was discovering the set. Uh, every department, I mean, wardrobe, yeah. uh, set. I would talk to the set designer, uh, to the cinematographer, the, the DOP, uh, the casting director. I, I, I was dying to learn, you know. Yeah. So I would talk to, to it. was a great school for me. And uh, this, there's a story behind The Prophet. When I, when I went to Paris, as I said, I come from the, you know, the countryside. And I wanted to be an actor, so I said to myself, okay, it's now or never. I, I worked during the summer, and I had a 1,800 euros in my pocket. I didn't know where, where I would sleep. I had no plans. So I took my bag, took the train, went to Paris. I went to a hotel room. I, I had an addition to, to go uh, in a, in a uh, theater school, the city, yes. Then I had to find a job. I found two jobs, day and night. So I worked a lot uh, for a living. Yeah. And um, I got to pay my rent, you know. And uh, after one year, we, we have to present some scenes that we worked. There's a showcase at the end of the year. And some agents and, and producers can come and see. And, and, and uh, you know, this is an opportunity to show what you can do. And then I, an agent came to me and said, uh, anyway... I'm going to make the, the, the story short, you know, uh, that I sign you. So we did. I started to, ha to have auditions. And, and one day I had an audition to play an important part in a TV show. And the director came to me at the end of the audition. And he said, listen, if you're lucky, you're too old. If you're lucky, me, meaning that if I don't find a younger actor, it'll be you. If I find him, next time. I'm like, okay, cool. Wow. I was really happy because it's, it's a good news. Anyway, yeah. and he called me back, said, okay, you got a part. Great. And the man, the showrunner of the series, wrote the first draft of The Prophet. Right. So he would come on set to visit. And uh, I knew that Jacques Wojau would uh, was preparing this movie. And I would go to, to the drama school anyway, shooting and go to the drama school. 
And uh, she would always ask us, uh, with, with which director you'd like to, to work in France. And from day one, I said Jacques Audiard. And I knew he was prepping this movie. Yeah. I was like, I, I could fit. We don't know. Uh, and uh, someday, he came on set. I'm supposed to finish at 7 p.m. My director comes to me and he goes like, uh, listen, uh, we're uh, behind of our schedule. That's the way you said. Yeah. 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 We're, so yeah. We, we will not have time to shoot that last sequence. You can go home. It's five o'clock. And he was visiting the, the Jacques Audiard was visiting the scriptwriter. So we went back home in the same production car, me, him and another actor. And I knew what I was preparing. I knew him. I knew all of it. So what I did, I think the, the, the best thing I, I did ever is to shut my mouth up. I just didn't talk. And my, my, my partner would tell him, uh, I'm playing in theater, this uh, play. If, you, if you'd like, you would come. And I was thinking, you, you, you're wrong, man. Just, just don't say anything. I mean, the guy is a star. I mean, everybody wants to... to to work for him, so uh, so he, he's heard it before. Just don't say anything. So I, I said nothing, and and I noticed that he would look at me like, like strangely. And when it came uh, to the to the premiere, they show two two episodes. He was there, and when the light when the move, I mean the TV show stopped, he was just looking for something. And then he saw me. He said, "Oh man, you're very good. You're very good. You're very good." And I was so happy. So I called my agent and said, "Listen." I gotta have an addition. I think I can have it because he notices me. He noticed me. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. you gotta make me. Let me have an addition. And, and I'm the first who did the the audition. But right. he would later on. Jacques Audiard would say I couldn't accept the idea that he was the right choice. So I had to see a lot of other people. But for me, it was a nightmare because I had yeah. to audition eight times during three months. Wow. At a certain point that I was like, if he doesn't want me, just, just tell him to, to tell me it's not you. Because it's, yeah. it, it's very hard to, to carry. You know, pressure, pressure every day, waiting for a call. And then you come back and then uh, it's like, do this, do that, do that. Okay, go home. Maybe we talk later. I was like, oh, God. But I understand it. It was a very difficult part for, uh, for, for an actor who, who, who didn't do a lot. But when the movie came out, it was a total surprise. I, I couldn't imagine that it would be such a success. It's, it's, I mean, it's really interesting to hear that because it sounds unimaginably st 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 stressful to keep <laughs> having to come back and come back and come back. But I guess it also makes some sense because he didn't have so much to look at of you of of you previously. Do you know what I mean? As, as you were yeah. newer, so in a, essentially he was getting you back in and back in to build a showreel to then then make a decision from, if you know what I mean, to, yeah. to go, all right, we can trust him in this scene and he is capable of this scene and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. I understand him, I mean, 100%. Yeah. And, and plus, <laughs> the funny thing is, we're at the rap party, very happy, you know, hugging, and he goes like, you know, I, uh, I picked you the first day I saw you in that car. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so so why, why, why did you make you, me... <laughs> Why did you make me suffer this way? Eight auditions? Yeah. And he goes like, it was not auditions. It was rehearsals. <laughs> Says fuck off, man. <laughs> Amazing. That torture. Um, well, I mean, we're getting towards the end of the chat, and I want to talk a little bit about The Serpent, because it was insane. It's one of those kind of stranger-than-fiction type stories and characters. But interestingly, again, it's another one where you're playing a real-life person, But the thing that I found fascinating was Charles Sobra. He was always, it felt like he was always acting and he was always playing a character. So you had to find a character that was playing a character as such. Like, mm. How was that to find him? Because you can find him, but then you can't really present him. Like, not in the same way as Mohamedou, where Mohamedou, you mm. found the character and you then go, here he is with Charles my imagination would be that you'd seek to find the real him and then have to hide it for most of it because he's so he's presenting himself in different ways to each person he is in each different re reality he's in as such. So, yeah, like how was that to, to dig into? Uh, it was tough. I found it very hard to, uh, to, catch, my, uh, to catch Charles because uh, I didn't find any common personality traits 
I'm in his eye. Is a killer, a con man, a manipulator, feels no empathy, has no uh, qualms. I'm like, uh, I don't find anything. Yeah. So I tried hard and hard and hard because I'm, I'm used to, to build my character from inside. Yeah. And this time uh, I thought maybe you should try the other way around from outside. So I copied his look, the way he would walk. His uh, behavior, self-confidence, and I studied a lot about killers, serial killers, the psychology. I, I, I spoke with uh, specialists f for hours, you know, to understand the psychology. Because when you get when you you get to know their psychology, when you get on set, you know, it's you better not think about it. It has to be somewhere in your head or in your guts. Otherwise, mm. you're gonna. We're going to see that you're looking, you're pulling the, 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 the strings in a way. Yeah. We'll, we'll see it. So I was like, I got to know it, forget about it, and it will be somewhere. But catching him, that was tough. And uh, with the director, Tom, we made some choices by the, the material we had. I mean, some of his recordings, uh, some of the footage we saw, the book. And uh, the uh, the testimony of the, the people who met him. And uh, we did some choices to create uh, Chaz. And uh, yeah. someday, Nadine, his French neighbor, came on set. Right. And she, she said she had goosebumps because she felt like she was seeing him. So I felt relief. Oh, wow. But then I went to yeah. her. I, I was like, okay, Nadine, can you... So I asked her... The question we asked to ourselves and the, the, the answers we choose uh, were the same. Right. Everything she said. And I went to Tom and I said, listen, Tom, she, 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 uh, uh, how do we say? Uh, she validates. Yeah. She, she, she validates them. So we, yeah. I felt relief. But still, you said finding a character that's hidden in, inside of another one. Yeah. The only way uh, for me was to, to not to find another character, but to find an animal. Okay. A serpent. Yeah. But yeah. which serpent? I picked the cobra. Because the cobra, you know, uh, uh, the mythology uh, about the cobra has to deal with charm, you know. It's like this, uh, playing flute, you know, the desert, yeah. uh, everything. And a cobra stands still. Cold and still, but very charismatic. And uh, each time you see a cobra, you're, 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 you're not the same person. Yeah. You know, you're scared. You don't even, you're scared and fascinated. And the cobra, when he, when, when he, when he hunts his prey, he'll look at them, stare at them, wait, wait until find the right moments, and then suddenly bites within a second. And I'm like, okay, that's my man. And, uh, And plus, what I needed to do, because it was so, so hard for me to, to embody him, I needed to focus, like, every second on set. So I self-isolated myself. Right. I, I self-isolated, sorry. And uh, the rest of the cast would come and talk to me. And I decided, for two reasons, to not answer at all. So they would come, how, how was I? Did you sleep well or something? I wouldn't answer. I had my glasses. Because it created a strange atmosphere. A specific mood. Yeah. Mark Strong taught me. Yeah. Uh, when you play a king, you don't play the king. The people who are surrounding you are playing the fact that you are the king. By doing this, we created that, that feeling. So each time we would, Tom would say action and I would get into the room, they were different. Yeah. But, I, but I'm not that uh, mean. So when, when, uh, when we, 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 we rapped... I would go with them and have fun and a couple of drinks. Yeah, no. yeah. But on set, they knew it. So it was kind yeah. of a statement. Until three weeks when everyone was uh, uh, at the right place and we, we cast our, our characters, we, we felt uh, self-confident enough, I was great. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful to get them to play that you're mm -hmm. dangerous as much as anything else. I'm, I'm also, I'm a big, big believer in the, in what we can learn from the physicality of a character. Um, mm -hmm. It blows my mind. A, a teacher I had, um, a, a James Kemp, would talk a lot about 
for taking your character out for a walk. And I thought that this was just a muscle memory type thing. And the first time I started doing it, exactly as you say, I was learning things. I was getting in that right stance and that movement. And I was thinking differently and looking at things differently. And there's there's a, a book that talks about um, the myth that we're a brain inside, a brain controlling a skeleton and a body. And the reality is we are the body. We are every inch of it. It's It's as much part of us. So... If we're slouching, it affects our mood. If we're standing up straight, it affects mm. everything. It's all it's all to, all together as one. So yeah, that's that's fascinating to hear. Well, I'll I'll wrap things up now. Just before I do, I want to talk really briefly about Last Panthers because it was uh. I, I really enjoyed it. Warp Film, one of my favourite production companies. All the guys over there, Mark and everyone, are great. But Samantha Morton, I think, is one of the greatest actors. Uh. Um, in in recent times so how was that project to work on because again it was it was a very different project for warp who are known for more gritty british and this was an international big actiony type type feeling show how was that one that was great that was great uh (laughs) it's just unfortunately it's too bad i didn't uh i only had one scene with uh, uh samantha you know, yeah. I was like, ah, oh, man, when I and and, uh, <laughs> and I was dying to to play with uh, Sir Hurt. Yeah. yeah and and I, you know, it's too bad. I didn't have any scenes with him, but I met him yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Such a nice man. Bless his soul. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, but I know she, she, they, they're 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 I mean, iconic, both of them. Uh, and uh, it was great because, you know, that Kevin uh, was initially meant to shoot the uh, Last Panthers. I did not realize that. No, he's the one who introduced me to the to the project. He called me and he said, "Listen, oh, uh, wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm doing something. Uh, I want to end." So uh, I was, you know, I was really happy. I wanted to work with him again because uh, I love him and, and he's a great director. And and then for some reason he he dropped he dropped the project and and uh, we we shot that with a uh, uh, Yarn Rank eventually. Yeah, and it was great. He's got his own atmosphere. He was perfect to shoot the rest of each city, especially yeah, yeah, Marseille. Yeah, definitely. You see? Yeah. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. Because uh, I remember, and Jack Thorne wrote it as well. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a, very different, a very different cop than the cop you, you're used to see on screen. Yeah. Hundred percent. You see, usually they're very, uh, you know, very uh, representing the law and blah 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 blah. And this one is, he's, you know, he's just a regular guy, a bit too stressed and wants to do uh, the good thing, makes the right choices for him, for his family. And uh, I don't want to spoil, but the moment he has to to face his brother mm. or something. Yeah, yeah, that was something. Completely. Well, as I said. We're probably out of time now, but can I ask just what's ahead? Like, what's the plan going forward, or what can you talk about that is ahead? Uh, I might have a a project with uh, Cédric Jiménez. You know the one who directed the French H H H H. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we we never know what's going to happen uh, uh, given the situation. You know, uh, if course. it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. I mean, we're uh, we're in the fog. <laughs> but um, it's about the two brothers who created the French Connection in the 30s, 40s. Right. Nice projects, and it's a, it's a TV series for Netflix. Yeah, that sounds great. They're they're, they're called the Guarini Brothers, Corsicans. That sounds fantastic. Well, yeah, I I look forward to that, and thank you very much for for your time. I hope the rest of uh, mm. of this strange, uncertain period goes as smoothly and comfortably as uh, as possible. Oh, I wish you the same, my friend. And it was, uh, <laughs> I, 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 it was a very nice conversation. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. Thank you, man. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Taha. I hope you enjoyed that as much as, I mean, clearly the pair of us enjoyed it. 
It was a wonderful conversation. As said, I've been a fan of this guy for a long time. Catching and profit at the cinema was in the early days of me kind of falling in love properly with this the cinema as an adult you know as a kid you have this the cinema it's a treat but it might not mean as much to, i don't know i don't know i guess as a kid i i, I don't have that clear me- memories of cinema moments as a kid but when i started to get into my 20s maybe and started to go into london and find the cinemas that had the more obscure films on man that love just became overwhelming it's why I champion them all the time. As you know, I'm a big fan of cinemas. I can't wait for them to be back and to be an option for us. So yeah, there we go. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all holding up okay. Cinema is honestly the thing, the service I miss the most in these weird times. More than than restaurants, gigs, pubs, any of those things. It's, it's, It's cinemas. That's the thing that I really can't wait to to be allowed back into. Anyway, I will catch you all soon. I'll be back next week. In fact, n- n- next week, I'm going to be back three times. Honestly, I've got three episodes next week that are all linked to each other that any of the heads out there and the big fans are going to be hugely excited about. So I'll let you have all of that n- next week. But for now... This has been episode 370 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. I haven't pl- plugged my social media in years. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to a lesser extent. F- Facebook, when it works, I just share my Instagram stuff to it automatically. I don't actually go, go on there. But Twitter and Instagram, I'm all over. All over them comment sections, at Scroobius Pip, yo. I will see you next week. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and stay sexy. Ta-ta.